So I'm here again with Brent Unrell, uh, counselor, spiritual director, lover of good ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, Hello again. Good to have you. Mm-hmm. And this is the conversation, and it is exactly that. It is an impromptu and unrehearsed conversation about some of the ideas that we are following in our Thursday gatherings uh, around mindfulness and living life fully. And as we begin, I would like to acknowledge that we are today on the stolen and unceded lands of the Coast Salish people, and especially for us, our neighbors, the Semiamu. Um, And while we are deeply grateful for their resilience and the resilience of all Indigenous people across this country, um, there's a sorrow in us that that resilience continues to be required of them. And... We are not only hopeful, but working for a day when, when that is no longer required of them. Which kind of connects, as I think about it, into the topic for this particular part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because whenever I give that land acknowledgement, what's echoing in the back of my head is how big that change will have to be. And not just drinkable water on reservation lands or fair food prices on reservation land or education or medical care or all of those things, but even the change that we and our culture has to go through in how we see Indigenous. And so in the, the back of my mind, there's this, this sort of, oh my God, that's so big. And I find myself wondering in some of the conversations that we're having in the gathering, which is on Thursdays, online, I find myself wondering if we can start to see change in a different way, mm. in a way that's more related to to process and baby steps and celebrating inching forward even though inching forward doesn't look like the big thing we want to have in the end. Mm. I wonder if we, maybe if I, struggle with change because the big outcome feels too distant and too far away. Mm. And I'm dissatisfied with anything that isn't the big outcome. Mm. So I'm just going to lob that thought over to you. Yeah. Thanks for the lob. (laughs) That's a big question. Before I jump in, the importance of land acknowledgement and the value of it yeah it's it feels new enough still and it feels like this new practice i heard a conversation with roberta jamenson i think one of canada's first feminine indigenous lawyers and jesse thistle he has a book out about his story i forget the name of the book 
But Jesse was saying to Roberta, this popularized use of land acknowledgements, he's grateful it's happening, but he says they're missing a part of it. The second part of land acknowledgement is once you've acknowledged who who this land originally belonged to and how it has been taken without permission. He says, the next question is, what is your present relationship to this land? How are you acting responsibly on this land? What are you doing here now? And he said, that's a much harder question. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm just wondering how that feels. I didn't get any examples on how to do that. What, what am I doing on this land responsibly? Um, anyways, yeah, expectations of change what it means to continuously be growing. Sometimes this sense of futility that for how much I change, I'm still the same. I was, in my own story, there was a comment by a grade one teacher that somehow was written down, it passed down, it gotten, it got some attention and it just said Brent is a very conscientious but untidy little worker and when my wife read that after a few years of marriage she says you know it 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 still rings true you are conscientious but you are an untidy little worker (laughs) not as little um and how hard do I work to change my untidiness and how driven am I? Or is there something about, I will not put away things quickly as I would like to, or I'll forget, and there'll be just a general clutter that will happen around my life. And so even simple things have changed like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the wonderful Gottman couple in their marriage work, they really advise couple, please, Don't waste your time on things that can't be changed. Mm -hmm. There's some things in you that are kind of permanent core, just traits or idiosyncratic. So don't waste all of your energy on trying to get the other person to change on those areas and find the areas where there is room for movement and steps. And it's, it's realistic. And I was like, huh, what if we treated ourselves that way? What if I can accept some things and have a sense of humor and realize it's part of my character mm-hmm. and it, what makes me special, possibly? And what are the areas it's like, oh yeah, there is significant room for growth and yeah, doing it differently and getting some help on it and leaning in. Um, And then there's, you know, my attachment to linear progress, that change is actually one direction and I'm distancing myself from a behavior or a feeling or a situation. And I don't, I don't think, if I look at creation, if I look at the seasons of life, if I look at indigenous insistence on circles, I don't think change is linear. I'm going to come back to things. 
time and time again, and that's not a failure. Um, isn't our DNA string a double helix <laughs> spiral? So what if in our own DNA there's this circular spiral, and although it's the same theme or the same stuff, what if I've actually done some work and I'm a little further down on the spiral? <laughs> but it doesn't give me the same buzz of, oh, I've moved ahead so categorically that I can almost see the distance. Um, I have a, a story of a friend who got lost while hunting in Saskatchewan. And the way he told it is, I got lost, I had my point of reference with this beautiful tree, and then I was heading towards what I was convinced was a way out. I heard the sound of a car or traffic, and I was moving towards that. It gave me hope. I was moving away from my tree of reference that I said, that's where I got, knew I, I knew I was lost. And for an hour or two, he was buoyed by, oh, I'm getting closer to the road. And he turned a corner and came to the same tree again. And he said, I became irrational. I emptied my gun. I threw some of my food. I mean, he says, I just went a little, you know, because the tree that was my point of reference that I thought I was getting away from, I came back to. And I was like, ah, what's that like in life? To be working so hard to get found and to think you're distancing yourself from something and then it it's like oh no i'm screwed and what if that's not how change works what if you are going to come back and what if being lost and found isn't quite the same way we expected um, so it's a bit of an unsettling but maybe more peaceful and not as harsh um, when I bump into being an untidy worker, do I freak out? Am I curious? Um, so those are a few thoughts that are bouncing around the complex world of change. Um, and can I change and still be myself? Are there core parts of me that's just the best change is to accept? Um, so yeah, I'll love it back over to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm really moved by a lot of that because my own exploration of this over the last several months um, I think I've been been startled by the way I've sort of bifurcated things into this needs to change and then that's what it's going to be when it's changed mm -hmm. and, it, and it has this capacity to just be a really ugly dualism, another really ugly dualism in my life. Mm -hmm. And you talked about acceptance in there, and I I find myself wondering if 
if the, the most empowering change I can make is acceptance, which then, you know, immediately goes to, but if I'm accepting where I am, didn't I just defeat the whole purpose of changing? Mm. Um, But I, I wonder if when we divide things up into that, you know, this is the characteristic or the behavior or the feeling or, or whatever that I want to change, and then we have something in mind that, that this is what it's going to be when it's changed, if that leaves us in a way so detached from ourselves and our lives, that actual spiral or circle that you talk about. Because I, I find myself reflecting right now on ways that I actually tried to change, things that I tried to change. And then on the other hand, ways that, that I can observe that I have changed, ways that I'm different than I was a few years ago, six months ago, 20 years ago. And, and the ways that I've changed have not come from my efforts to change. Mm. They have come from my efforts to stay present, to, to mm -hmm. this is the reality of the moment. Who do I want to be here? Mm -hmm. And somewhere out of walking that, that spiral or walking that circle, I find myself wondering if, if the capacity to become present was itself a change. It wasn't, it wasn't the one I was looking for. Mm. It wasn't the one I was trying to create. It wasn't where right. all my efforts were going. Um, and I'm not sure I'm explaining that very well, but I, I think I've spent a lot of my life distancing myself from behaviors or thoughts or feelings that I wanted to change. I don't want to be like that anymore. And then reaching for behaviors or thoughts or feelings that I wanted. Mm -hmm. That's the change I want, but I didn't yeah. have. Yeah. Which left me disconnected on both sides. Mm -hmm. And then stepping into the practice of, of mindfulness and this moment. Mm -hmm trying to experience this moment again and again and again throughout the day that, that somehow the changes that happened almost without me working on them too much happened in that that place not not the striving between two poles right yeah at times I wonder if what has fueled my attempts at change has been kind of a pernicious self-contempt like I'm I don't like or I'm at war with something within myself or disgusted or something so then I have to reject that within me and then that's what change is is going someplace else so it can almost be an anti-me or at the heart of it it's like mm -hmm. that's what change can be on a bad day it's like oof how would I organically be curious and look at what is it that's fueling this thirst for change and is there something negative about me that 
maybe I need to be more curious about it or befriend it before I want to eradicate it or change it. And is this something a program I manage? Like, is this just my work? And part of me says, yeah, there's a, there's a showing up, there's participating, but I don't know if I'm as, if I'm the only force that's mm -hmm. in the change, in the change loop. And I look back on the things that really impacted me or changed me. And sometimes you get caught up in a story and all of a sudden you're crying or a moment of beauty just happens mm -hmm. and you slow down enough to take it in and it affected me. Or sometimes something really sad or tragic or messy that, that was hard. And it, it's not as though I was trying or working. It just got caught up in it. So it, it's, it's kind of a mixture of preparing yourself almost mm -hmm. to be aware and to not miss the stories, the faces, the moments, the tragedies. Um, is it Richard Rohr that has this simple quote? It's great beauty or great tragedy that really has the, the ca capacity to change us. Um, I'm glad he had great beauty in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I wonder if I could just relax more because I used to be mm -hmm. trying so damn hard. Can I use that word? Absolutely. So damn hard. It's like everything's at stake. And in trying so hard and squinting and ah, uh, I probably almost missed the miracle or the surprise of change happening to me without trying so hard. But then there's this, uh-oh, what if I get lazy? <laughs> you know what you're saying, though, as it kind of rolls around in my head, it feels, interestingly, connected back to our first discussion about about the, the land acknowledgement. Because I mm. find myself, when I give those, As, as much as I, I wish I, I could have some, I'm not even sure, some, you know, beautiful, lovely, compassionate experience of doing that land acknowledgement, every time I find myself saying those words, I actually kind of have this, yeah, I'm, I'm the settler. I'm the settler class. Mm. And so one of the, the things I'm, I'm sort of trying to create a space for in my life right now is what, what, what does that feel like? Well, what does it mean to me that, that I am part of that settler class? And when I, when I give these land acknowledgements and I always find myself just sort of stumbling just a little bit because I do genuinely feel sorrow over what has happened to Canada's Indigenous, and I want to be part of the solution. But in, in all honesty, I'm back here at the beginning with, 
I'm, I'm part of the settler class and, and I need a little bit of space to kind of let that one digest and, and, you know, sink in a little bit. And I, I, I wonder if that's, that's part of this process that maybe we've really poorly labeled change mm. because change in a lot of our minds does look like that linear progression you described. Mm-hmm. That if I, if I sit with that idea long enough, if I can be curious and gentle with it long enough, maybe I encounter a moment of great beauty and great tragedy and in that there's a capacity or or a, a germination of change yeah I like how that feels and there's a kind of a humility about it I think sometimes my reading of change or my monitoring of change there's a certain arrogance that I want to feel. Wow, I, I... It's like I'm playing piano at this level and man, I practiced for three hours and I am such a better piano player mm-hmm. and I feel that kind of exhilaration of change. And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, it's so rare that yeah. you, you actually have that sense of... <gasps> so to accept the humility, I would like to have a better connection with my indigenous neighbors. I would love to continue to grow and to explore how that change could be more grounded. And I I feel kind of helpless on actually how to do that. I, I don't always know. I keep hearing from my indigenous neighbors, you know, don't ask me to do all that work for you. So do mm-hmm. your reading. Yeah. You know, we went to the local, the Surrey Museum has a room dedicated to the Seneyama Nation. It's got great little videos and dioramas and a map of all of their names. So it was just kind of like, oh, just practicing awareness. And this really was your your home. And went to the Indigenous Day. There was an event for the Katsi and Semiyama and Kwatlan were hostessing. And I was talking to one of the chiefs and said, how, you know, basic dumb settler question, how do I... Oh, is there a way I can do this better? He just said, well, keep showing up to the events that we organize. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff we're already doing. Just show up and be a character in them. Mm-hmm. And just keep showing up. And I could tell from his perspective, there's nothing fast about this. And there's nothing, quote, sexy or quick. It's just, it's going to be a lot of you showing up and us showing up. And I thought, is that enough? You know, and, and when you say that, Brent, the, the thing I immediately think of is what you just mentioned about how we can see ourselves with such self-contempt. Because if I'm going to be able to sit with, I'm part of the settler class. Mm. If I'm going to do that with contempt and self-hatred and mm. self-judgment and I'm going to make that, you know, Right. 
how to beat myself up in the process, then I'm pretty sure I can guarantee that that's not going to change me because beating me up has never changed me before. Mm -hmm. And what if safety and nurture and warmth and care is always the antechamber for change? Yeah. You know, it's like, everybody calm down. Let's be as home and as comfortable and as supported and as loved as possibly can be. And now maybe we're, so I, I love just stories or situations where safety, safety, safety is the condition mm -hmm. for which little plants grow or yeah. new shoots come up or... And I underestimate how much safety I need and care to kind of take risks to learn something or meet somebody new or... Yeah. It, it brings to mind, and I don't have all the details off the top of my head, but I have read a few times now about a particular tribe in Africa mm -hmm. who when a member of the tribe has done something that needs to be corrected their method of discipline is to bring this person into the center of a group, the, the, you know, the family, the tribal group, forms a circle around them. Wow. And one by one around the circle. A supportive circle. They say something good about this individual. Do you remember when wow. you carried extra water for your neighbor? You're a generous person. Right. Do you remember when... I remember you as a child and you did and, and and around and around the circle and they don't stop until the the person in the middle who is being quote unquote disciplined has has received his identity again, his or her mm. identity again. Mm. And I mm. I mean there's parts of our life where we're good at this, like we don't go and stomp on Linder little tender shoots in the garden and, right. you know, you have grandkids now and I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that, you know, when they're learning to walk and to do things, you're not standing at a distance yelling at them for failing. Right. So we have models and archetypes mm -hmm. for, for how this should look mm -hmm. and yet bringing it close enough to make it right. personal. Yeah. I suddenly think that if I berate myself long enough about mm -hmm. this, I'll yeah. I'll develop more discipline in this area yes. and Yeah. Yeah, it's almost kind of scandalous to think of kindness and self-compassion actually generates the environment that allows the risk of change to occur. So the the tough coaches who berate their athletes because they failed to hit or they didn't perform like they want, they don't actually create and motivate meaningful change. Um, and yet, man, if I look at myself, what kind of a coach am I as I analyze myself as a player? Mm -hmm. Do I quietly yell at myself or chastise myself? Or That's an unforced error. Like, where were you? Yeah. Get in the game versus, oh, Kindness, compassion, a circle around me that supports me and says things that are almost hard to hear. Yeah. And that's the incubator 
or movement or awareness or connection or any micro change. Um, so yeah, it's a delicious conversation and to be in that conversation with other people. Um, and at a purely brain level, I mean, we know that if, if our limbic brain is reactive, we're not changing, we're in full self-protective mode. So you're right, if I'm, you know, if I'm having at myself for having failed at something, or God forbid, having at someone else for having, quote-unquote, failed at something. Yeah. I mean, even my biology is not evolved and wired up in a way that, you know, something that triggers that, something that makes me feel threatened or isolated mm -hmm. or separate, which is what criticism does, whether it's self-criticism yeah. or other criticism, it's not going to help me change. Right. Yeah, it's fun for me as a therapist when you meet a new client to just, you realize they're a little freaked out and <laughs> they don't know me and they have a lot of stigmas or questions or am I crazy or, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's vulnerable stuff and to kind of like welcome here. I am so proud of you for taking this step of self-care. And my heart's longing is to make this a place of safety where I'm not judging you, shaming you, fixing you, or saving you. And if we can put all those things aside and you can show up as you are and we can slowly build trust. And it's, it's a gift to kind of explore that space with people. And those are rare spaces. I wonder what it would be like to make that a personal hmm. mantra, to look myself in the mirror every right. day and go, okay, wow. Kate, I'm not judging you, shaming you, fixing you, or saving you today. <laughs> Which on an average day would last wow. about halfway through my wow. first cup of coffee exactly. till I was already judging me. But Right. Just to have that as an intention and come home to that time and time again. Huh. I like that. I do too. And I think for today, that's probably a good place to draw this part of the conversation to a close. But to do it with, with that reminder, and I may put it up on the, the website when we put this conversation up, that, that that's maybe a good practice to enter into at some point, mm. to offer myself those words. Mm. I'm not judging you. I'm not shaming you. I'm not fixing you. I'm not saving you. I can be safe with me. I can be safe with myself. Mm. So thank you for that gift. Oh, totally welcome. And we'll reconvene in a few weeks and pick see up where, where we left see off. See where it leads. <laughs> thank you, Brent. Thank you.